let's go ahead and dive in. The year was 1987. And um, I was, uh, uh, you know, somewhere around my junior, senior year, uh, and um, I was I was a big music fan. I, I've always been a big music fan. I grew up playing the drums on my mom's photo albums, and um, I told Ethan the other day, and Elliot, if you get... Um, their grandmother's photo albums out at her house, they all have drumstick marks because I would just set them up like a drum set and then I would turn the record on. They're like, what's that? I was like, it's the sweetest thing ever invented is what it is. And um, it comes with its own little little mix behind everything and uh, and if you play it backwards it might tell you something crazy you never know like back masking and and so um so we uh I would play drums on that and in 1987 I got this this new CD we had advanced to the CD world and I got this CD that um it was uh it was a guy named Russ Taff and Russ had been in this this band, or back then my parents called it a group. It was like one step removed from uh, from um, the the Gaither Vocal Band, if you ever heard of them. And so, yeah, some of you I knew you would like them. And uh, so Russ Taff left this this group called Imperials, which I would always I, I grew up listening to, and they had a one song. I'm going to take a trip on that good old gospel ship. Man, that was some good stuff back then. And, and my favorite song I remember had all cowbell. It was like, start that cowbell out. And it was like, I mean, it was phenomenal. But anyways, Russ Taff left that band to, to, to do a solo album. And he didn't just do a solo album. He did a solo Christian rock album. If you listen to it today, you're like, that's not rock and roll. I can but tell you right now. It does have some guitars in it. And uh, so I picked up the, the CD and um, I put it in my boom box. Don't you miss boom boxes, somebody? It's just... It's not the same to plug, to turn your iPhone on and have a little jawbone, like, bust some tunes out. Like, when you had to carry that boom box like this and set it. So I set it on the piano, my mom's piano. I thought this would be perfect because it will be up. And I put that CD in. And one of the first songs on the, rec- on this, on the record is um, it's a song called All, That's, All That Can Shake Is Gonna Shake. Well, and it was a Christian rock CD. So it was like he, he starts out by saying his first line, All That Can Shake Is Gonna Shake. And then the guitars just go, wow, no, 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 no. And it's just like tears shreds into it. So I'm having a moment with my photo albums on his drums and uh, just beating away on those, you know, because my mom never let me bring my real drum set home, so it was always photo albums. So I'm just jamming away, and I didn't pay attention, but because I had set that boom box on the piano, everything on top of the piano was an old upright piano. Everything on top of the piano, guess what? All that can shake is going to shake. It was all shaking. And I'll never forget the sound my mother made when everything shook right off the piano and just shattered everywhere. And it was like a mess to clean up. And that's when I learned it's true. All that can shake is going to shake. Turn and tell your neighbor, all that can shake is going to shake. Okay, and then to the one you just ignored for some reason, um, kick back at them and say, there's a whole lot of shaking going on. (laughs) Get that song in your head for a second. So we're in this Hebrews 12 series, and we're looking 
Um, man, I hope you've enjoyed this series. I've enjoyed studying and, and preaching it. And um, we started with Can't Stop, Won't Stop, just that there's something in us that we just got to drive in. We cannot quit. We cannot give up. And then week two, that our Father, our Heavenly Father loves us so much that he disciplines us, that he puts discipline in our life for a reason, and that we shouldn't feel like we're getting beaten down, but actually God is putting in us what he needs to put in us to get us to where we need to go. And then last week we talked about bold obedience, like not just responding in obedience, but responding in bold obedience and what happens. And then today we're just going to... we're going to call today, All That Can Shake is Going to Shake. And um, if you wanted to put like a second title on it, you could say, it's a shakedown. Everybody say shakedown. So here's, here's the deal. Um, I want to read the scripture in, in uh, Hebrews chapter 12. Why don't you turn there? If you're following along in the version notes, um, you'll find that uh, in version and in the live notes. But let's go to chapter 12, uh, beginning with verse, I think we're in about 24 or so. Um, Let's pull that first verse up. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time, his voice shook the earth. Everybody say shook the earth. But now he has promised once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. Keep going into the next slide. The, world, the words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, And everybody say this last line with me. For our God is a consuming fire. So we're just going to break this down for a little bit and talk about this. Um, There's something happening in this text that you need to be aware of. First of all, it's, it's this situation that often happens in Scripture where the writer is describing a future event. But he's also not only describing a future event, but an event that is also happening. It is a future yet happening now current event. It's something that's coming, but in the real sense of things, we're already experiencing it. And here in the book of Hebrews, the writer is telling us that there's a shaking coming. There's a shakedown that's going to take place once and for all. Everything, the created things will be shaken away. And the only thing that remains is that which is established on the foundation of Christ. But also, he's talking to a group of people who are experiencing a shakedown in their life. And I don't know about you, but you, you none of us will escape a shakedown. None of us are going to escape that and at different points in life. You'll experience it. Um, for instance, talking it through this week, Urshana was 13 when her mother passed away from cancer. And I, in, in spite of the entire church praying for a miraculous healing in her mother's body, and it, regardless that there was about 10,000 people that gathered for a conference in Fort Worth, Texas, and, and they all prayed together in unity, and, and they, they were praying for this healing, regardless of all of that, for some reason that we won't know now until we get to heaven, God took Urshana's mother, and she was only 13, and we talked about it, and she was shaken, 
She was shaken by that. Um, we have friends, dear friends in Houston that um, they found out their 15-year-old little girl, was, she was diagnosed with a very rare uh, brain disease and doctors couldn't figure out how to treat it, what to do. And, and so over the course of time, in and out of the hospital and eventually that disease took the, their little girl's life and we had to be there and be a part of the service. And in, in that setting, even our lives were shaken by that and their lives were shaken by that loss. And I, I talked to somebody recently and they, they, they phoned me and I picked up the phone and it was somebody I hadn't talked to in a while and I could tell their voice on the other side of the line wasn't, it, it didn't sound right. And I said, what's going on? And, and, and she had shared that she found out that her husband was having an affair on her and, and it shook her. It, it was shaking her life. And, and the bottom line for all of us in life is we're not going to escape things that will shake us. You don't have control over things that will happen in your life that will shake you, but you do have control on what you're building your life on. You can build your life on the sinking sand of sin and watch it all fade away, or you can build your life on the sure foundation of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says whatever we build on the foundation of Christ will stand. In Matthew uh, chapter 7, verse 24, Jesus says, Therefore anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like the foolish man who built his house on sand. When the rains came, those same streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. It fell with a great crash. What are you building your life on? Because there's a shakedown coming. We're not, every one of us is either experiencing a shakedown now in our life or will in the future experience it. And then certainly there will be one final shakedown when Jesus Christ returns for his church and all that's been created will come to, come to an end. I'm really here to give you some good news today. Uh, Josh, come here a second. Joshua, come on up. Um, Joshua is one of our college students, and um, he's a freshman at Concordia University. Come on, all the way up. You're going to, don't be shy. He is a freshman at uh, Concordia University, um, plays on the football team. And uh, come, don't be shy. Come on. You act like you're shy. Come stand by me for a second. So um, while you're praying during the week, pray for Joshua. And then uh, moms, if you want to make a good home-cooked meal, I'll give you Joshua's contact information, and you can cook him a home-cooked meal. Because how many know when you're at college, there's two things you miss, sleeping and home-cooked meals, right? Am I right? So um, why don't you walk over there, Joshua, and <clears throat> yeah, see that? Come here. I'm not done with you. Come here yet. Come here. Not done with you. Come here. So he didn't know that was coming. He didn't know that was coming. Now brace yourself. Brace yourself for it. Okay, get ready. Lean in a little bit and get ready. I know you're a linebacker. Don't take me down, but get re Are you ready? Because here I come again. Ready? Oh. Oh, God. that didn't work so well for me this time. You go sit down. You go sit down. That was right in my rib. Catch my breath a second. You see, as long as you know something's coming, you can prepare for it and you can brace yourself. It's when you don't expect it that it can take you out. 
Now that's a good illustration right there. I should get some, some hand clapping right there. That's a, good, that's a good spot to say, oh yeah, that was pretty good. Look, it's in scripture. I don't have it on your notes, but I put it in a last minute. 1 Corinthians 16, 13, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous and be strong. Listen, I'm here to tell you today, I'm here to warn you that there will be a shakedown in your life. A shakedown is coming, but if you're ready for it, you'll be able to stand firm, be strong, be courageous, and not be knocked out by it. So come on, let's look at, let's look at this. According to our scripture, I want to give you some things that will be shaken. Number one, systems will be shaken, but through God, we will remain stable. Systems will be shaken, but through God, we will remain stable. Um, the writer in Hebrews is writing, and all through Hebrews, he tells us that there's this better way. There's a more perfect way. There's a better covenant, a new covenant for us to approach God through and to find the stability of building our foundation on Jesus Christ. You see, in the Old Testament, the way that you would find a redemption from sin was through the blood of bulls and goats. But in the New Testament, it was no longer a procedure that we would find redemption in, but it was a person, Jesus Christ. So now we come straight to Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Matthew uh, 27 and 51, it says that the veil was torn from top to bottom. And what did the earth do? The earth shook when Jesus Christ was crucified on a cross for our sins. And what that veil represented was the very inner presence of God. And when that presence of God, when that veil came down, now we all get the opportunity to boldly approach the throne of grace and find grace and mercy in the time of need. That's the better way. But what the writer was telling us was that this old way, this system this procedure was being shaken and not many people that were accustomed to it were enjoying the new way. They, were, they had loved the old way and it was shaking their lives. You know, I don't know about you, but I was talking to some dads, um, dropped Evan and Eli off at the school and we hang out on the blacktop for a little bit and then all the dads that are there walking, we kind of all walk home together and we got to talking about the government and the government shut down. And then we got on this new health plan and, and, and we just, and there was a lot of sarcasm and, and negativity in the, in the conversation. Well, there should be because you can't trust that system. You can't trust that system. It's, it's a system that's not going to last for eternity. Only what's built on Christ will last. And the first time I ever had, ever had a system uh, fail me um, was way back. I remember I was in um, seventh grade and uh, I was trying out for the basketball team. And I tried out for the basketball team, and I got cut from that team. Now, that wasn't the system's fault. That was my fault. But I determined that would be the last time that I would get cut. So I spent the rest of that school year getting ready for the next tryout. And during the winter, I would shovel in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I would shovel the free throw space in my driveway, and I would shoot free throws. And then I would shovel over the other side of the driveway, and I would shoot jump shots. And, and I worked and worked and worked. And going into the school year, had all of my friends, had some of the coaches say, listen, I think you might be the most improved eighth grader in, in basketball this year, and it's going to be a great season. And 
then just before the school year started, the school district and the teachers union made this great agreement that in order for the teachers to be paid more, which they're very well, they were, they're worth it. They need to be paid more. So that was okay. But in order for them to be paid more, they took away all the seventh and eighth grade athletics. I was like, what's this world coming to? <laughs> Don't you know how hard I worked for this? And no basketball, eighth grade. Systems are going to fa- fail you. Systems will be shaken. But through God, we remain stable. Let's look at the second one. The second one, relationships will be shaken. But in God's presence, we remain secure. The audience of Hebrews their relationships were being shaken. They, they once had prominence inside of this traditional uh, system, but their lives were being shaken. And now in the marketplace, they were being ignored and ridiculed and persecuted. And some were being thrown in prison and they were having to leave their homes and they were having to meet in secret. And I don't know, it would just be like today for you to maybe go to the blacktop to pick up your kids from school and and everybody ignore you or go to the marketplace or go to, uh, go to the farmer's market and, and, and see people that you know and they completely ignore you. And instead of talking to you, they're all talking about you. You know, that's the way, that's what happens. Relationships will be shaken in our life. And I don't know, have you ever had one of those relationships where it was shaken in your life to a point and it left you wondering like, well, who can I even count on? Who can I count on? I remember one of those relationships in my life. I was in the fourth grade, and um, a new kid moved into our neighborhood. He moved on the street behind us, and he was my age. He would be in my class at school, and and I was like, man, I'm going to get to know this kid. He seems pretty cool. His name was Ben, and uh, I got to know him, and we became good friends. And uh, there were a few reasons I had in mind for being a good friend to Ben. Number one, I knew that the new kid on the block, all the girls want to meet the new kid on the block. And so I thought if I could be Ben's friend, then I would know that I would be next to all those new girls that wanted to see this new kid on the block. And I could just be there to say, hey, I'm still here. Remember me. Been here the whole time. The second thing was Ben's dad worked for E.F. Hutton. Back when E.F. Hutton used to speak, people would listen. And um, not only that, but he had a full ad placed in Sports Illustrated for his business, and not just any Sports Illustrated, the swimsuit edition. <laughs> so I was like, how cool is his dad? I'm going to get to hang out with his dad who is in the swimsuit edition. How cool is that? And even though my dad never let, let me look at the swimsuit edition, my dad would beat me home on the day that that would arrive every second Thursday in February. <laughs> He would beat me home to the mailbox and I would come in and instead of seeing the cover of the swimsuit edition and the whole thing, he would cut out everything except for the sports stories. And that's what I would get out of that swimsuit edition. So just to know somebody that was there, I was like, man, how cool is that? The third thing is that I didn't grow up with a TV, but Ben, he, their family had this massive TV. Well, the screen wasn't massive, but the console was. And they had cable. And for somebody who didn't grow up with TV to go into a house that had cable and you could slide the little deal from 1 to 13 and then from A all the way to Z 
for all of your channels. And man, I would go spend the night at Ben's house and we would watch TV. They had HBO. I would watch HBO all night long. So take that, Dad. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, and we would just, man, he was a great friend. We were best friends. We did everything together. We played football together. We played baseball. I mean, we did everything together. And, man, we would run that neighborhood and uh, pick on all the little kids around. I mean, it was just like me and Ben. We were inseparable. But I'll never forget, like, around the seventh grade, Ben, he started hanging out with other kids, too. And, I, and some of the things they started doing, I just I knew wasn't something that I wanted to see happen in my life. And I remember we all went to a mall one time, and they, were all, they all walked out of the place when we were leaving, and they all had, like, jammed their pockets full of candy and stuff from Spencer's. And it was just like, it was just a bunch of stuff that was like, I was like, man, I didn't even know they were stealing stuff. And then I started thinking about if we were to get caught, I would be right in the middle of that. And nothing in my pockets, but probably still get in trouble. I remember a, a conversation I had with my parents and they were like, you know what, if, if your friends are going a different direction than you, maybe they don't need to be your friends. And I remember when I had to just say, you know what, Ben, I, can't, I, I don't want to do these things. I don't want to be your friend. And into eighth grade, I remember the older kids he was hanging out with, they would, they would chase me home from school. And, they, and they would, the older kids would always say, beat them up, beat them up. And I'd be like, I don't even know what you want to beat me up for. I, I still want to be your friend, but I don't like what you're doing. And, and they would be like, you know, he thinks you're better. He thinks he's better than you. And I was like, listen, they're putting words in my mouth. I'm not saying that. I've talked my way out of it every single time. And in ninth grade, I'll never forget, at the end of the school property, uh, there was this little area they called Smoker's Corner. And it's where all the kids would gather after school and smoke. And I would have to walk past there on my way home. And I would walk past Ben, and I would say, I, I would say hi to him. And, and most days, he would either ignore me or he would blow smoke in my face. And that shook me as a, as a young teenager. I was like, that was one of my dear friends in life. I thought we'd just always be best friends forever. And that shook me. But a leader in my life took me to John chapter 15. And the scripture says in John 15 verses 1 and 2, it says, Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branch. And it says that the, the father is the gardener. And he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. And while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. And I started to learn that some of those relationships in my life that weren't going to be productive in my life had to be cut out so that I could become what God was calling me to be. And most often, every relationship that's been removed from my life has always pointed me to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Relationships will be shaken in your life. David said in Psalms 118 and 8, he said, he, uh, he, I'm sorry, in Psalms 41, 9, he says, God removed my very best friends from my life. They, they turned against me. Relationships will be shaken. But in Christ, in his presence, we will remain secure. You see, Jesus Christ said, I'll be with you for, the all, for always. Unto the end, I'll be with you. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Paul writes about it that nothing shall separate us from the love of Christ. No death, no persecution, no sickness, nothing separates us. The third thing I want to tell you is that hopes will be shaken. But in God's promises, we remain confident. In Hebrews, all throughout it says that he who was faithful received the promise. 
in chapter 6 of Hebrews, it talks about the, God, the, the promise that God made with Abraham. It says, because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God made an oath. And God did that, did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. We who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. God cannot lie concerning the oath that he has made and the promises he has made for your life. God's promises are yea and amen for your life. And I want to promise you, God is not going to shatter his sparkling record over you. His promises are true. His promises are true every time my hope is shaken. There is a corresponding promise that will be revealed in my life. You say, well, I had a father who, who, who wasn't a good father in my life. I had a mother who wasn't a good mother in my life. I had, I had people in my life that forsook me. The Bible says that when my father and mother forsake me, then the Lord shall lift me up. That's the promise of God. He might say, well, I had, I had things in my life. My marriage has failed, and so now I'm, I'm, I, I'm a divorce. I'm a divorcee. No, you're not a divorcee. You're a child of God that just happened to go through a divorce, and your failure is not final until you give up. Your best days are ahead of you. Don't give up now. Don't give up now. Don't put a title on yourself. Just trust that God's title is calling you son and daughter. That is a promise that he's given that for in as many as will believe him shall be called sons of God. And listen, every one of us, male and female, there are times where we want to be called sons of God because it is the first son that gets the inheritance. It's okay to say I'm a son of God because that means you're getting the inheritance from God. Maybe you might say, you know, I've had, I've had people in my life that have disappeared. I've had businesses go wrong. I, I just will, I want to promise you today, I hope you hear my heart in telling you that whatever is happening around you, the things that you're doing for Jesus Christ will stand, and God is not slack concerning his promises. He might not show up right when you expected him or when you want him, but he will always show up right on time. Right on time. I love this scripture. I love this scripture that I want to share with you and as Jimmy's coming to help me close this out. I want to ask this. Why does God allow a shaking in our life? Why would God allow a shaking in our life? Listen, I can tell you this. I don't have all those answers. But I do know this. God is not shaking you in order to destroy you or to break you down to the very lowest point that he can take you. That's not why God's allowing a shaking in your life. God is shaking you to reveal the greater foundation that's in your life. It's so easy for us to step back and to look around us and think, man, haven't we done well? Every I just want to just share my heart. Every Sunday morning, I wake up and I'm reminded that I'm so thankful that God is on this journey with me. Because there's always a little bit of humanity inside of me that just wonders, is anybody going to show up this week? 
Man, did you hear how you closed that service last week? It was terrible. I wonder if anybody's going to come back. And I wrestle with that. But look, God's not shaking us to break us. He's shaking out the things in our life to reveal a greater foundation in us. You look at the word shakedown. And you wonder, why would, why would you say there's a shakedown? I love this definition. A shakedown is a thorough search or a shaking, a shaking in order to find something that's hidden. This is that something that's hidden. First, or Colossians 1.27, For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles also. This new better covenant had a plan that would include everyone. It didn't matter where you were raised, what your last name was, how much money was in your account. It didn't matter if you grew up on the wrong side of the tracks. It didn't matter that you weren't already picked out and, and designed for something special in the community. It didn't matter that you got a chance to go to the highest places of education. It didn't matter that you, you didn't get to see uh, the, the same kind of educational opportunities that, that the, the real community uh, of God's children had in that day. And, and those, Jewish, those Jewish children, those Israelite children, they were like, it was, it's only for us. And God is saying, no, it's not just for you. It's for anyone that will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's not just for the good people. It's not just for the sinless people. But it's for all of us. He says, and this is the secret. Why is there a shakedown? To reveal the secret in you that Christ lives in you. And gives you the assurance of sharing in his glory. Why is there a shakedown in your life? Because there's got to be a way for God to reveal himself in you. And oftentimes when we're on the mountaintop, we forget why we're on the mountaintop. But there's in that shaking that God reveals the secret. And you can be like Paul. You can be like Paul and declare... And declare to live as Christ and to die as gain. Because what's in you is greater than anything that you'll ever face. The kingdom of God will not be shaken. You're part of a kingdom that will not be shaken. It cannot be shaken. It won't be shaken. There's a promise of God that everything around you might shake, but the Jesus Christ that's in you will not be shaken. Come on and clap your hands if you can receive that word. Will you, will you stand to your feet? Come on, you can do better than that. Stand on your feet and, and clap your hands for a God that declares that you're a part of a foundation that cannot be shaken. Amen.